Good morning. Before I start talking anymore, let's pray. Jesus, you are good. And it is only because of you that there is really anything good in us. Jesus, thank you for this morning that we can all meet together and that we can worship you. Amen. All right, so if some of you don't know me, my name's Trevor. I'm one of the youth interns here, so I work with the middle schoolers, the high schoolers, and I am still sore from the trampoline event that we had last Friday. So we have fun. I love my job. So today uh, we're going through our Encounters with Jesus sermon series. It's our alternate series that other members of the preaching team get to preach on. So this morning, we are going to be looking at Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 21. So this passage takes place right after Jesus calms the storm. So Jesus, he's doing a lot of preaching, he's being followed by crowds, and he gets in this boat with his disciples on the Sea of Galilee. This storm whips up, but Jesus is so tired that he's... He's asleep. He sleeps through the storm because he's so tired. He gets up, calms the storm, and the passage today takes place immediately after that. So if you have a Bible, turn to Mark chapter 5. If not, it'll be on the screen. And if you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the seat racks in front of you for free. So that's what they're there for. Go ahead, use it, take it home. That is our gift to you. So Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 21 they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. That means a demon. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed 
and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. So that is a really long passage, and we're going to go and break it down. So this sermon series is Encounters with Jesus. And what we're going to do is there's three different characters or entities in this story that interact with Jesus. And what we're going to do is we're going to break down and we're going to look at each character and see how, what their encounter with Jesus is like. So the first that we're going to look at is that of the demons. And the demons react in fear. So, back at the beginning of the story, we're given a description of the demon-possessed man. And this guy sounds pretty scary. Some of the ways that Mark describes him, he is living among the tombs. So he's hanging out in kind of a graveyard, essentially. That is like straight out of a horror movie. (laughs) There's this guy, he's living in the graveyard. He's cutting himself with stones. He is shrieking He is crying, and people, they try and, like, bind him up with chains, and he just breaks through their chains. That's pretty crazy. And later, we learn that this guy has a legion of demons in him. Now, the Bible doesn't give us an exact number, but back in first century Bible times, a legion, like a legion of Roman soldiers was 6,000 soldiers. So I'm not saying necessarily that there's 6,000 demons in this guy, but there's a lot of them. That's one thing that we do know. And so this, this guy is scary. People in the village, they stayed away from him. They don't want to hang out with this guy. Leave him over there. Let him do his thing. Don't mess with him. We can't control him. We can't bind him. There's nothing we can do. This guy's scary. But as soon as Jesus shows up on the scene, as soon as Jesus gets there, how do the demons react? They instantly know who Jesus is. As soon as they see Jesus, this guy runs up to Jesus And it says right here in verse 6, He ran and fell down before him, crying out with a loud voice. He said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Do not torment me. The demons immediately, they know exactly who Jesus is. In James chapter 2, verse 19, it says, You believe there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. The demons, 
they know Jesus. They know exactly who he is. And they know that he is far more powerful than they are. They know that Jesus can do whatever he wants to them. And there is absolutely nothing that they can do about it. They know Jesus, he can send them out of the country. They know he can send them into the abyss if he wants to. They are completely and totally helpless before Jesus, the king of the universe. And so when we read through this passage, there's something that's kind of strange. And that's that the demons ask to be sent into the pigs. Why would they ask to be sent into the pigs? That's a valid question. And I was speculating. This is mere speculation. This is not, do not quote me on this. But I think perhaps the reason it is, think about maybe when you're a student, you're in school, maybe like late elementary school, early middle school, you're still young, and you arrive at class and you realize that you forgot your huge project that's due that day. Maybe it's your paper, like some science project, whatever it is, you, com- you realize, oh, I totally forgot to do that. So you get to class, and your teacher comes walking up to you, and they tower over you and look down at you, and you're looking up at your teacher, who has the authority to pass or fail you, and they say, all right, Trevor, where's your project? And maybe you stand there, and you're nervous, and you're scared, and you're looking around, you're looking around the room, and maybe out of the corner of your eye, you see the printer. And you're like, oh, I, I, I left it on the printer, I left it on the printer, it's at home on the printer. I think with the demons, it was a similar kind of thing. They're standing in front of Jesus, the king of the universe. They're standing in front of him, scared, their knees are knocking, and they see Jesus is here to take care of them. And so they're looking around, and they're like, What are we going to do, Jesus? The pigs! Send us into the pigs! Please, the pigs! (laughs) The thing to realize with that, too, is that they can't even go into the pigs without Jesus' permission. They can't even do that. They are so helpless before Jesus that they can't even do that without his permission. That is how much power Jesus has over the demons. That is how amazing he is. So Jesus isn't weak. Oftentimes, I think we see pictures of Jesus that look kind of like this up on the screen. And I think that that is like a semi-accurate representation of Jesus. Jesus is gentle. He is compassionate. He is loving and merciful. And that's, that's all true. But sometimes we think of Jesus as being weak. And that's not true. When the demons looked at Jesus, they didn't look and see this guy carrying a sheep with a staff with a little halo around his head. Check out uh, Revelation 19, 11 through 16. So this description right here, this is of 
Jesus. That same guy on the screen with the sheep, same guy. It says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with the rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of the God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This picture of Jesus, this is Jesus on a horse leading an army with a sword covered in blood and a tattoo on his thigh. (laughs) That is a very different picture of Jesus. So while that previous image of Jesus as compassionate and gentle is entirely and completely true, I think another picture we can look at is this. This, for those of you who are familiar, is Aragorn from the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And look, he's on a horse, he's leading armies, he, not in this picture, but later he is definitely covered in blood, and he is the king returning to take back his throne. When the demons looked at Jesus, they saw, this is what they saw standing before them. They didn't see gentle, compassionate, merciful Jesus. They saw, I'm here to take care of business, and that's your problem. (laughs) That's what they saw. And so they were completely helpless before Jesus, and there was nothing that they could do to save themselves. So, first entity or character that we see is we see the demons react in fear to Jesus. Second, these are out of order as they show up in the story, but we'll still get to all of them. So, second characters we're going to discuss that interact with Jesus are the villagers, and they also react in fear. After Jesus heals the man, the pigs rush into the Sea of Galilee. They beg Jesus to leave because they're scared and they're fearful of him. But this type of fear, I think, is different than the type of fear that the demons have. 
the demons, they have the Jesus can send us into hell kind of fear. And I don't think that that is what was scaring the villagers. I think what scares them is they're scared of Jesus turning their lives completely upside down. So let me explain that a little bit more. So in order to prepare for this, I tried to put myself in the shoes that the villagers were being. And it was really difficult because I'm not a pig herder. I don't live in first century Bible times. And I've never had an experience anything like this. But still, go with me. So the cr- I think for them, the craziness in, of the demon-possessed man was normal. So a way that I kind of related this to myself, I go to Portland Community College, and there's a lot of crazy people at, at the school in that general area. There's a lot of crazy people there. And I think, okay, you do your thing over there. I'll stay over here. Nobody gets hurt. Not a problem. I think the demon-possessed man was kind of like that to them. We don't know how long this guy had been like this. He could have been like this for weeks, maybe months, maybe even years. Maybe they knew who he was, they were used to it, and they said, okay, you hang out in the tombs, we're going to be over here, you do what you're going to do, we'll do what we do, nobody gets hurt, no problems. And when they see that the craziness that he was, that, w- that was normal to them, when they see that changed, and it says that they see him sitting and in his right mind, that's when they're afraid. Jesus shows up, and this guy that was screaming, shrieking, cutting himself, living in the tombs, is all of a sudden normal. He's in his right mind, and that scares them. Also, the, the herdsmen with the pigs, they see Jesus show up. He steps out of the boat, interacts with this guy, and they see 2,000 of their pigs charge straight into the Sea of Galilee and drown themselves. That was not a normal occurrence, I'm sure, for them. And we're not, we don't know a ton about this region. The Bible doesn't say a whole lot. But I can speculate that 2,000 of their pigs dying, that's a big deal. Like, maybe that's their food for the next, like, 10 years. Maybe that's how they make money. Like, I'm not a pig farmer, but I'm sure losing 2,000 pigs is a problem. And so with the culmination of all of your pigs dying and then seeing this crazy guy normal again, that scares them because they don't, they don't know Jesus. Maybe they've heard rumors of his teachings or his miracles, but they don't, they don't really know who Jesus is. And so when he shows up and completely changes everything, 
They don't like that. I ha- I, there's another passage in Scripture where something similar happens that I want to look at because I think that that'll help us to kind of understand where these people are coming from. So turn to Acts chapter 16, verse 16 through 19. So right now, this is the early, the early church is starting. So Paul and Silas and Peter, they're all running around um, performing miracles and starting up the early church. This is after Jesus' time, and they are starting the church. So starting in verse 16, it says, As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying, Those men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Now, this next verse is what I want to pay attention to. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. So in this little story that we read, this slave girl, Paul does an amazing thing for her. He, well not Paul, but the Holy Spirit, through Paul, brings this demon out of the slave girl and frees her from that. But what, what do her owners care about? They don't care about that. They see, oh, dang it, we can't make any money off of this anymore. And so even though something amazing has been done for her, they don't care because they can't make any money off it anymore. This is not normal. So I think with the villagers, it's kind of a similar thing. They're, they don't care necessarily about the amazing thing that Jesus has done for this guy. Their pigs are all dead, and all of a sudden, this guy's normal again. This is weird. This isn't normal, and we don't like it. So the villagers, they react in fear of Jesus as well. So the third character that we're going to look at who reacts drastically and radically different than the other two is the reaction of the demon-possessed man. So once again, remember where he was. He was in a place of anguish, of suffering, and of torment. Demons were tormenting him. He was at their mercy, and he was hopeless. Once again, we don't know how long he was suffering from them from. It could have been years, maybe. And so Jesus shows up and completely frees him from that bondage. He saves him. He casts those demons out, and now this guy is living completely, 180, and now he goes from this life of suffering and of demon, uh, demonic influence to now he wants to be with Jesus. 
Jesus brings about a great change in this guy's life. And in Psalm 105.1, it says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. So, that's exactly what the demon-possessed man does. Jesus frees him, cures him, and he's so crazy and thankful and in love with Jesus that he says, Jesus, I want, I want to get in your boat. I want to follow you. I want to do what you do. But what does Jesus say to him? He says, no, you stay. He says, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he does give thanks to the Lord. He does call upon his name and he does make known his deeds among the people. So at the very end of that passage in Mark, it says that the man goes away and proclaims in the Decapolis about how much Jesus had done for him. This story takes place in Gerasenes. So I have a map, and I did some really sketchy, rough geography, geometry math to try and figure this out. So right that little, um, there's the Mediterranean Sea on the east. And if you go, it's about in the middle, there's that little blue circle. That's the Sea of Galilee. And that big yellow arrow pointing is about where Gerasenes was, where this little country, this little area was. So Decapolis, Deca, Greek, 10, is an area compromised up of about 10 cities. So that red outline that I have, that's the Decapolis region. So this guy doesn't just go and tell everyone, like his friends at home, about how much Jesus had done for him. He doesn't just go home, tell his parents, tell his friends, and that's it. He doesn't post it on Facebook. What he does is he goes and it says he tells throughout the Decapolis. So my rough geometry, this is a hard shape to do math with, okay? This is difficult. This area was around the size of Clark County. So if you think about maybe this happening here, like down at Clark College probably, um, that would be like this person going and proclaiming to everyone in Clark County, to Vancouver, to Woodland, everywhere about what Jesus had done for them. And that shows us how excited this guy is about what Jesus had done for him. He wasn't, he wasn't, oh, thanks, Jesus. Thanks for helping me out. He was ecstatic. He was stoked. He was on fire for Jesus. He's running around, like, jumping city to city and telling people 
hey, look at what Jesus had done for me. I used to be like this, but look at what I'm like now. Look at how much Jesus had done for me. I couldn't do this on my own. Look at Jesus, and he's proclaiming, and he's excited, and he's telling everybody about how awesome Jesus is. So this guy has a completely different reaction than anyone else in this story. So, going back to this, what this sermon series is. It's encounters with Jesus. We have three people, three entities, I guess, interacting with Jesus. And so, the question that I want to ask myself and for you guys to ask yourself is how are you responding in seeing Jesus? Are you seeing Jesus just as someone who can throw you into hell like the demons did? Are you seeing him as someone who's just going to get in the way of your life and mess everything up like the villagers did? Or are you seeing Jesus as someone who's going to redeem you like the demon-possessed man did? The tricky part about this statement, I think, is that all of those things are true. I mean, Jesus does have the power to condemn us. He does have the power to throw us into hell. The demons recognize that, and they are, they should be scared. You know, they should be fearful of Jesus. Jesus will get in the way of our lives. Think about um, the Apostle Paul. So earlier in that story from Acts that we read, he was the guy that actually cast the demon out of the slave girl. So Paul, before he was Paul, his name was Saul, and he was a Pharisee, meaning he was super smart. He knew the Bible, which at the time was just the Old Testament. He knew it very, very well, And when people started talking about Jesus and how he's the Messiah and the one that the Old Testament prophesied about, he goes and he throws those people in prison. He watches them and approves of them getting killed. And his mission before Jesus appears to him is basically to wipe out Christianity. That was Paul's goal. And I'm sure Paul had no idea what Jesus' plans for him were. There's no way that he could have comprehended that he would have written, you know, most of the New Testament, that he would be traveling and preaching and teaching about Jesus. And so if you tell, if you look at Paul before Jesus appears to him and told him, hey, Jesus is going to appear to you, and now you're going to be teaching about him. You're going to be writing letters to churches. You're going to be helping start churches. He would have said, no way. That is not going to happen. I am on a mission, and that is going to get in the way. Jesus meeting with me is going to get in the way of what I'm trying to do. And so Jesus does completely turn his life upside down. And 
The, the difference, though, is with between Paul and the villagers is that once Paul realizes truly who Jesus is, once he realizes how um, the amazing grace that Jesus has for him, he is happy to let Jesus flip his life completely upside down. He welcomes it. It's not like he doesn't think, oh, Jesus, I really don't want to do that. I really don't want to go and write these letters. And He wasn't like that. He sees Jesus. He experiences Jesus' love. And he says, yeah, turn my life upside down. That's fine. Because whatever you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And that's what Paul does. This last phrase here, or do we see Jesus as someone who will redeem us? This is also completely true. Praise the Lord. Um, the, let's, let's think back to the demon-possessed man for a second. So he was in an awful place by far. And he was as excited as he was he was pretty dang excited about what Jesus had done for him. And so he's running around, he is telling people, and he's sharing his story with other people. And so when we look at what Jesus has done for us, shouldn't we be reacting the same way? Shouldn't we be just as excited about what Jesus has done for us? Because just like the demon-possessed man, before, before we encounter Jesus, before we ask for him to save us, we are hopeless, honestly. Like, we are a slave to our sin. Sin's just a word that means, like, the bad things that we do. We are, there's nothing that we can do on our own. And because of that stuff that we do, that, those sins, that we commit, we fully deserve the wrath of God. We are in a terrible place, just like the demon-possessed man before Jesus. But once Jesus comes, and when we pledge our lives, once we accept Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, that, just like the demon-possessed man, is a complete 180 from where we were. And I think that we need to be just as excited, if not more excited, about what Jesus has done for us than how the demon-possessed man was. Now, I'm not saying we need to, everyone, get up right now. This side of the church, you're going to Woodland. This side, you're going to Camus. Let's go. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that if Jesus has changed our lives so much, and taken us from somewhere that was as bad as it was to, to grace and to love and to mercy, if he has changed us that much, we should be excited about that. We should find joy in that. And so all of these things on the screen are true about Jesus. He can't throw us into the hell. He will get in the way of our lives but Jesus has redeemed us. 
And that is something to be excited about, just like the demon-possessed man. So, I'm going to pray. Our worship team is going to come up, and that's that. (laughs) Jesus, you are so good. You have redeemed us. You have saved us. And if it isn't for you, we're kind of hopeless on our own. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would just fill us up with your Holy Spirit and that we would be excited about, um, that we would be excited about what you've done for us. I pray that you would just give us the courage to speak to our friends, speak to our coworkers, our bosses maybe, and that we would be as excited, if not more excited, than the demon-possessed man was. Amen.